Hello and welcome to episode 113 of Kaiju Curry House, the fortnightly show that gives you a healthy dose of kaiju goodness every other Monday. Today I'm joined by Joe to talk all about Q, the winged serpent. But before that, Joe, what have kaiju been up to? So Joe has been up to tons, let me tell you. I have been looking at all the new merch online and deciding that I don't need to buy any of it. A lot of what I'm seeing from the regular folks that are normally manufacturing great stuff is just a lot of re-releases and different paint jobs. Uh. I have to say I'm getting a bit tired of it. I mean, it's great. It's great because in a sense, folks like me that have been forever, like we may have that or we may have already passed on it. But, um, you know, like that leaves it open for new fans to buy this stuff. But at the same time, when someone says, oh, we have a new release. And then you see a reissue. And it's just kind of disappointing. I feel, I feel like it's a small betrayal every time I see it. I don't know. But do you think um, people are double dipping, or do you think it is for people who missed out first time around? I'd like to think it's for folks that missed out first time. But regardless, you know, reissuing, it's just, you know, like it's a cash grab every time in a sense from a business point of view, because you've already got the molds, you know the paint jobs, you know, blah, 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 blah. You've got the art for everything. Let's just do it again. And in theory, you could even charge this because current inflation. So I don't know. It's just, yeah. I would like to see more original stuff. And a lot of the things that I am seeing that are coming out that are original and are great, I'm finding through places like Instagram, Twitter, you know, sources such as like that, where it's just individual artists with a 3D printer and putting out neat stuff. But yeah, there we go. Uh, other than that, I recently ordered the um, Legend of the Dinosaurs and Monster Birds on Blu-ray. Of course you did. Can't wait to see that in all of its Blu-ray glory. I mean, like, come on. Could it be any better? So yeah, there we go. That is what I have been up to. Paul, what have Kaiju been up to? Uh, I haven't been up to an, to an awful lot myself. I did get gifted some things. Um, so I got a Godzilla mm-hmm. versus Kong T-shirt, which doesn't Always show up very nice well on the green screen those. because it's all green. But it's the like it's um, Kong swinging Godzilla um, by the tail, and it's um, at the bottom. It says nothing like this ever on screen. So it's the, it's the original Godzilla versus Kong. Obviously. I thought that was. I thought you were going to take that like a different way. So like got like Godzilla getting swung around by the tail. Kong is like I swear that normally happened to me or something like that. That would have been like a really fun thing. For <laughs> Comedy version, saying, you know. And then this this t shirt I got as well, another Godzilla one. It's quite unique, I think. Ooh, the Aurora! Because isn't this this is the one that Connor has the model kit of? Isn't it? Is it the Aurora model kit like Godzilla? Yeah, it's the Aurora model kit art. Yeah. Yeah, because I was looking, I was like, that's Godzilla, but it's not Godzilla. What, where have I seen this before? And then it suddenly came to me. Actually, that's that weird-looking one. It's a very color. stylized art of. It is one very stylized. Yeah, it's it's different, but that's yeah. That they they were gifted to me, and I just wanted to show them off. Well, they're pretty cool. Very other cool. than that, I'm watching Q. I haven't been up to an awful lot of kaiju stuff, so I'm glad we did the the kaiju movie club because that obviously encouraged us to to pick and watch a film. Uh, the runners-up were both Monster Hunter and Cloverfield, uh, but this this got more than both of those films combined. So Q is definitely a that a is because it's just Q is one of those great 
weird movies. And... I've, I've always heard about Q. I'd never seen it like until last week. I always thought it was a an old film, like a, like a back, black and white. I don't know, like twenties or thirties film. I just thought it was a really old film. And then when I watched it, I thought, oh, they've they've made a colorized version. And I was like, oh, actually, no, it was just made in the eighties. I don't know why I, mean, I thought that. Paul, I mean, it's just no. It's like the second you see one of the cars, like you tell it's eighties. And what's great is it's New York in the eighties. And New York has yeah. like this, you know, a great vibe going now because oh, let's go visit New York, tourism, blah 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 blah. New York in the eighties was pretty dirty by the looks of it. Rough, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. New York in the eighties was rough. And one of the things, I mean, who's going to go out and potentially doesn't have access to watch Q? I mean, it's on Amazon. It's it's, a, it. it's it's on but, Prime. Um, it's also available on YouTube. Oh. Right. So, Didn't know that. I bought my DVD ages ago. But um, in any case, uh, what I really, what you'll see if you go looking for the trailer for this film is there is a woman who sunbathes. And for everybody who, who's seen this film, we know this is one of the you know prime movers and shakers for young people watching film. Not you, children. Not you. We'll, we'll say adolescents may watch this film for some reasons. But... Um, yeah, the trailer that I remember had that shot twice. And I just, that's, I that's really the audience they were going the main for. selling features of this film was a topless sunbather being carried off by essentially a dragon in New York City. So, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that, that says a lot me. about the film. If that, it <laughs> that, does. It's going to show a scene twice of a topless woman. That's what's going to get you into the cinema. I mean... It is one of those things, but uh, Larry Cohen, who wrote, directed, and produced this film, um, what he does well is supernatural cop um, films. If you, if you look at his filmography, a lot of his, his backlog is just cops that come up across supernatural stuff. And if that you know, tickles your fancy, if you're a fan of supernatural you may very well enjoy Q, although Q tries to take itself very seriously, does it not? Oh, yes, yeah, a very serious. I mean, there's lots of plot points going on, but there's the um, the rich, there's the murders going on, and there's that's that's, that's tied to Q, obviously. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, so we've got, we've got. I'm trying to think of how, how how it goes. We've got the police trying to investigate these ritualistic murders. And mm -hmm. also a giant monster flying around New York City that no one's spotting, and also a kind of low life crook who's trying to just make some money in a in a quick, easy way, and it's not going his way. He just has a lots of bad luck. But I didn't. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, we, we'll just go straight into the film. Um, full spoilers for anyone that has not seen it. Full spoilers for this <laughs> film that came out in 1982. Yes, 1982. Wow. I mean, in the first 10 minutes of the film, I think we saw a man get decapitated, a, uh, say a woman bathing topless, and also someone who had all their skin professionally cut by the predator and was just left there. Flayed, yeah. They were flayed, flayed, yeah. That's the word they like to use, isn't it? Flayed. So, yeah, it was. Is it, I'm guessing it's rated 18. We, we hit the ground running. We, we start off. We should also probably mention that, you know, 
adults who are trying to indoctrinate, you know, adolescents and children into kaiju and monster films might not be the best no, one to start not them out on. I mean, if you if you look at the box art or the poster art, which Paul, you have behind you on green screen, right? Yeah, here. that's, that's um, it's a bit different to the yeah, real life. Amazing, like we've we've got a pardon. The, the the image that you see on the like the poster is a little bit different to what we see in the film. Yeah, yeah. So you want to explain that? I kind of feel like they were going for like a a snaky serpenty thing, and then ended up with more like a bird beak thing. That's what mainly stands out to me. Like the, the mm -hmm. eyes, the the mouth. The it's just. Everything else seems about right, I think, the body, comparing the two. Yeah, so the guy who actually painted that uh, poster, his name is Khan, or Tom, and I'm going to put this wrong, Chantrell, and he did a really great job of it. But what we got for Q, and Q is short for Quetzalcoatl, by the way. Well, well done um, for pronouncing that. Yeah, well, Quetzalcoatl is easier for me to pronounce because I've been pronouncing all my life. Basically, they're one of the largest flying reptiles ever to come out of the Mesozoic, was named Quetzalcoatl after an Aztec god. And um, this god was a flying feathered serpent. Now, Q in the film um, doesn't look like this artwork. Yeah, it's kind of beaky, but it's, it's, it's a dragon. It's not a wyvern. You know, like we didn't get really a serpent sort of thing. We got something with limbs and the wings that it has kind of end in like these raggedy feathery looking protrusions, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. It's much less of a traditional dragon wing to more of a, a bird wing, isn't it? Yeah. So um, in Dragonheart, if you got any of the Dragonheart action figures or look them up, Draco was going to have some feathery uh, bits on his wings. And this Q ser serpent, you know, kind of borrows off of that. And the design of the creature, I think it's very played down, but at the same time, you know, it's like bare essentials. It looks great. So other times where I've seen that work really well. So um, we go to Pokemon occasionally on this podcast, but one of the more yeah. popular Pokemon um, one of the legendary Pokemon, if you will, its name is Lugia. And all that Lugia is, is a blue and white wyvern. And it's been slimmed down to all, almost minimalistic lines. And that worked for it. And then a lot of like, again, there are very simpler design, simple designs, but like when you slick it back, it works. Kong is another great example. Kong's a gorilla. It's just what you do with him isn't it so paul what did they do with q here what did they do with him well in the film it it i i think i think that we're Sorry, being well, a bit presumptuous to assume it's a he especially considering the end but you know there's a, there's an egg actually yes yeah, so it's a hermaphrodite i don't know it's a god it might just god goddess you certainly i mean we're leaning it... more towards feminine here though because it lays eggs because it lays the eggs okay so she so she was summoned by these rituals, wasn't she? Prayed into existence was yes. a line that I really enjoyed from the film. Prayed into existence. And I feel sorry for Q. I really do. I don't know if that's wrong or not, but I, I was oh, wow. rooting for Q. And I feel that she was mistreated in this film. 
a certain I mean, so was her poor egg. I didn't I didn't like the police after watching this film. Yeah, it doesn't exactly help the perception of the American cop, does it? No, that was very shoot first, ask questions later. It was, is very <laughs> shoot there's first. There's an egg. The only, the only film that I think comes close to being as shoot first as this is Predator 2. <laughs> right, okay. Which is really saying something, because <laughs> in that film, Danny Glover, he shoots a lot, doesn't he? He does, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, if we want to, I mean... With regards to this film, like again, Paul said that there are multiple plot points running at the same time. And what you get is a film with without a very long runtime, is it? So overall, no, it's, it's I think film. that the film it tops out. Let me just bring it up here. Tops out at 93 minutes. So it's an hour and a half long. Yeah. Which by today's then. film standards isn't as long as it could be. We've got films like Avatar now approaching three hours, for Christ's sake. Yeah. But um, I think a lot. I think now a lot of them, you know, tend to top out a close to two hours, two hours somewhere around in there, for yeah. like a decent long film. So an hour and a half, and because it's so packed with so much stuff, it goes really quickly, and it doesn't necessarily like flesh everything out as well as it could have i think if we removed like one thing if we took one thing out of this film you know and, and slowed it down a little bit and gave it more of a thriller feeling i think that there'd be a bit more to it but okay one of the most heavily criticized aspects of this film is just that like it's just like it goes really fast and the film itself is a mire of different things going on and then it all yeah. Yeah, comes together I, at the end, doesn't it? That's it, yeah. So they, they don't necessarily need the whole crook storyline. Uh, the crook they, is the first thing that I would take out. You could get rid of all of that, couldn't you? Storyline. We could have the police trying to track down the ritualistic killer and the, and the giant monster. That would be fine. We don't need three things going on, just, just two. Just focus on the two and do them better than trying to... Yeah, so the, the crook, in my mind, like... I love Godzilla 1984, Return of Godzilla. That is one yes, of, do. if not my favorite Godzilla film. And in that film, there is just like a bum that shows up in like the third act of the film. And he's everywhere. And I don't need the bum. I don't need to be following him. <laughs> and when he gets stepped on or whatever, and he doesn't appear again, I remember being quite happy with that as a child. I was just like, we don't need the bum. Why is the bum in here? Everything else is interesting enough, but it kind of feels that way with the crook. We don't need the crook. No, but we see quite a lot of him. He's the main protagonist in this film. I would say. I don't. I don't know why that came in, <clears throat> but hey ho. Hey -ho. Not, I, I, I don't mind the guy. Nothing. Nothing against him. They could have his story, I guess. I don't think it would be as interesting. You could have him and forget about the... Uh, the. Actually, no, you can't really forget about... You couldn't just have him as a storyline and that he knows where the nest is because that would be a bit... It felt a bit more slapstick, his scenes. With him just yeah, so being a bit of a one goof. of the things... Like, we're taught like characters and whatnot, but I feel like we need to mention Michael Moriarty. Okay, that's so, a great name. 
part yeah yeah it, it's great name i mean like he sounds like he could be in a great detective film doesn't yep. he <laughs> so he is jimmy quinn in this film okay so what's great about him is and, and this was like all over like the critical um stuff in um <laughs> it, 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 like he is the crook in this film but like when all of like the reviews and everything came out he is like the one person who has like some acting chops. So right. the first thing that we're saying is like, let's remove the, the crook. The crook is the guy that's like the star that they put in this film. Cause he's got Emmy awards, Golden globes, stuff like that. And he, he's got a lot of acting behind him and he's a jazz musician in real life. So <laughs> I found about that afterwards. Dude's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Dude's awesome. But why is he in this movie? And I feel like, in a sense, Larry Cohen got him in this film. And like the reason it like focuses so much on him is because at the time, he was one of those celebrities that people knew about or watched and say, oh, I've seen right. him. Okay, he's in this film. And I think that that's how he managed to get in here. Okay. So, he, yeah. So, he was the star that they banked on to pull people into cinemas to see this yeah, film. Yeah, but for us watching this now... Or yeah anybody a bit watching of a loss. That, it, 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 yeah we're at a loss we don't really it doesn't really mean anything to us so <clears throat> that that's one thing so we talk about the production of this film so q is done with like some large props an occasional large prop eggs for example but it, it really uh what's great is that q is a stop motion character and one of the great things that you notice in the film with Q is that she will change color a little bit depending upon where she's at. And that's due to the lighting that they were employing when they were doing the stop motion. So <clears throat> forgive me, I couldn't pull up the, um, the actual special or, or a special effects person for this um, in time to go ahead and do this podcast. But you can kind of tell, <clears throat> like, obviously it's stop motion, but it's a great one to demonstrate how persons like Ray Harryhausen and Phil Tibbet and, you know, those kinds of guys who, like, really went all out in this art form versus someone who does a good job but just gets hired. And I think Q's an example of the latter, where... It could have it could have gone further. It didn't necessarily have the budget, etc. And the budget for this film was a million dollars, which wasn't anything you know to like bat an eye at. But how much? How much was? I mean, in the eighties, was that a, yeah, a million, size a million budget? Was a bit, and I have, I'm willing to bet that Mr. Moriarty probably was responsible for getting a, a fair amount of that. But again, you know, it's one of those things where the box office tape we're talking about two hundred and fifty grand is how much it made back. Oh, that's not good. No. And it isn't exactly one of those cult classics either, is it? I don't know. I mean, I thought it was a cult classic, but because people well, seem... I suppose it hits a lot of like, really obscure notes, doesn't it? Like, there aren't many super, supernatural cop dramas that focus on kaiju. No, no, it's a very especially rare... Especially ones in the 80s. So, uh actually now that we're on the 80s and that like i feel like the soundtrack so 
I feel like we had a missed opportunity here because it is the eighties. Where's, I mean, like late seventies, eighties, where's the awesome music? Yeah. It's lacking a bit there, isn't it? Yeah. So I don't necessarily, again, this film has like a mishmash of things going on. And the way I could describe it to you, I suppose, is like a TV movie or a film that was intended to be a TV movie. Because it has that feel, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it probably would have worked better that way. Well, I mean, as a theater experience, especially since, you know, Jaws, first blockbuster, so to speak, came out in the mid-70s. Like we've had, you know, a little while to kind of figure out like, okay, how do we draw crowds to the cinema? And I mean, we have, you know, like the hammer horror and stuff like that. That's, you know, like been around, but for this film, it was ambitious in a sense, because we're talking about a giant monster in the heart of New York. We've got the supernatural cop thriller. We've got multiple, you know, like um, plot points, but again because it feels a little bit rushed it all comes together at the end it isn't necessarily the best production value feels almost like i don't it's not a hallmark movie but if there was a a horror equivalent to a hallmark movie kind of feels that way i'm not going to say that this is like asylum you know like oh no it's not that level it's not that goofy we'll call it (laughs) goofy but um it, it takes itself very seriously. And at the end, you kind of come out going like, that was different, but I don't have a hankering to see that again. I do no. own it. Yeah, <laughs> you bought it. So you yeah, yeah, must, I bought it. Like it. I mean, like, that's because like I'm an archivist for this sort of thing. Like I keep like whenever I find a film in this genre. I will buy the DVD because in the UK, do we get kaiju films like on streaming platforms? I mean, we're starting to now, but it's been years, hasn't it? So a lot of people in our fandom will tend to buy the hard copy just to have it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Going back to it being in New York, I was looking, because it's filmed in the Chrysler building, isn't it? That's where the whole story is revolving around. Which I mean, was it still under that's where Q lives, you know, at the time? Because it looks pretty rough where he, where Q is nested. I'm trying to think. It, it doesn't look in the in the best state. This building, I always think of it as this no, amazing. So the Chrysler thing. Building. Actually, this is this is a fun one for you. Give me a fact. So, the Empire State Building, made famous in our circles by King Kong, it was actually going to be much shorter, and the Chrysler building was built next to it. Now the Chrysler building is iconic because that has that very art deco style um, summit near the top of the building, you know, with the beautiful curves and the shiny surface and all that. So that building was built shortly before in the process of when the empire state building was being built. Now the empire state building was going to have that top with like, with the um, pinnacle, at the top you know like kong climbs up that pinnacle and that's where he's hanging from at the end of the movie so it wasn't originally going to have that but because with its nift top the chrysler building was going to be something like i don't know 20 feet shorter or something like that to use american imperial 
the folks at the Empire State Building is like, well, nobody's gonna be able to tell the difference who's, who's the taller building. Ours is the Empire State Building. We are specifically making this to be the tallest building in the world. We're only be like that much taller than the next closest one. No, not having that. So then they built that, that steeple, as it were, up at the top of the uh, Empire State Building. Right, just, to, just so, yeah. so they're not outdone by the Chrysler Building. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So the Chrysler Building, it wasn't just built then. Um, it, it would have been around for a few years. It just didn't look particularly nice. Isn't that how it's portrayed in perhaps modern cinema? Well, it's one of those things. I think New York in the 80s had like funding problems and a lot of the, the city, as you as you can see in the film, was a bit neglected. It was, yeah. it was pretty polluted. So I think kind of like a revamp of the island kind of happened. And you had people going in and restoring and you know calling these buildings historically significant and just putting some love back into them. So that would have been a thing. But then also one of the things that you have to take into account in the United States, particularly New York, it's right next to the ocean. It's in a temperate environment. You're going to have very hard winters and very warm summers. And that kind of weather and climate is just unforgiving on any large structure, any structure full stop. Yeah. Well, they, they accepted, was it $18,000 to film in there? So it, they, they must have wanted the money. Well, $18,000, you know, dollars. If someone's going to offer to pay you something, you know, name a price yes. that sounds reasonable. And in theory, you get it. So, but yeah. So coming out of this film, who was your favorite character? Do you know what? Thinking about it, it probably is the crook. It is Quinn. Because I didn't like the police. Because they yeah, were, the detective in and of himself the is were just very abrasive, isn't he? They were they were really just not likable characters at all. They did come across as quite horrible. And the crook, although although Quinn is obviously a, a bad guy, you just feel sorry for him because everything seems to keep going wrong for him. Mm-hmm. Although obviously he is a horrible person, the way he treats his girlfriend. So I mean, there's that. But well, that, that could be another reason I just don't like I, I I don't have such a fond feeling for this film because there's no real like good antagonist or no, that's a yeah, good protagonist. Is there's there. no one I can really relate to or, or like. We relate more film. to the monster that's eating people than we do to like the characters in the film. Yeah, that's the thing. That's it. I mean, cues in the film for not very long. There's only snippets, isn't there? A stop motion that you'll see probably a couple of mm-hmm. minutes. But I, I prefer I like Q more than any other character in the film. So when when her egg was shot to pieces by the police, where you think they'd want to study it, or someone would say, you know, oh, there's a there's a brand new species or a, or a fourth extinct species. Maybe we should study it. No, they would, would just shoot the egg up. Just rubbed me the wrong way. Didn't like that. So. When we're looking at uh, home media releases, um, it's really interesting to see this. So there is a VHS, as there would have been. Yeah, yeah, VHS. Um, and then we had a 2003 release, and then we had a 2013 release on Blu-ray. Okay, so it's gone through the VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, probably no 4K yet. Yeah, but it's got, it's, it has the streaming. But I just, I find that interesting that um, we, we've, we've got, 
two releases. One relatively recently, of course, 2013 was kind of like a great time to be releasing kaiju films or, you know, like re-releasing them. So in a, like, I guess that they kind of put the bandwagon there because it would have been Shout Factory that released it. And then oh, yeah. like they, there's like a sub company under them, Scream. And like, that was how they uh, put the, the, uh, the Blu-ray out. But in terms of this film, like, again, wow, it's got, where would we rate this? So it's not like, it's not, it's, it's not, not enjoyable shocks. Like I love Tammy and the T-Rex. I love I Legend of the Dinosaurs and the Monster Birds. You know, like I, that stuff, I know what I'm going into, but this one, how would you, how would you rate it among the films that we've watched for this podcast? Yeah, it's probably going to be reasonably low down on the list because there's not, as you said, the, the, it's rushed. It's a bit, the, the plots just don't necessarily mash that well together. The effects are fine. I don't, but there's no, as I said, there's no character we like. We wouldn't watch so, it again. Okay. What? Let's throw this out. So Gorgo, Gorgo moved like along Gorgo. quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, we like Gorgo. Gorgo has some pretty unscrupulous main characters when you think about it. The kid's the only good one, isn't it? <laughs> or isn't he? So, I mean, like, and then, you know, relatively economical special effects, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just when you, when you try and put this somewhere, like, or compare it to something. It's um, quite unique. We have Rodan. Well, yeah, I mean, like, we have Rodan, which is a flying monster, but yeah. Rodan went a different way. Rodan, like, kept it secret for a while, and it had a subplot with, like, the giant insects, the Megalania, you know, coming out of the mine works, and the miners disappearing and stuff like that. And then it's, like, halfway through the film, they do the grand reveal of the giant flying reptile. So. Okay. We had a lot going from the get-go in Q. Could that been pushed back? Could we have had more time to develop the directors, or not the directors, the detective? You know? I feel like that would have been a potential. Yeah, I think you could have, if the characters of the, of the cops were a little, just... Yeah, if we could spend a bit more time with them, if they weren't just so abrasive, maybe that would work yeah, better. Yeah, I mean, like, if, if, we, if we'd sat with the cops for, like, 10 minutes, you know, in the film, which is a significant amount of time for a film, if we'd sat with them and just watched them bust a case, you know, like, partner, you know, like, camaraderie or something like that, and then like these, and, and, you know, it's like, maybe they're like working like a small or s relatively silly case. And then it comes to like people being flayed, like, whoa, what is this? And then, you know, like stuff grows from there. Like that's the way that you can kind of take it. But like from the get go, we have like a really hard edged cop drama and we don't have like a lot of that great character development for them. Like they're going around and they're asking the questions and everything. But it just, it kind of just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't jive right for me. But I, I know that cop dramas from the 80s, they focused a lot on, on that. Just like, 
you just dive right into these people's lives and then you watch them, you know, unfold this mystery or, you know, like they, they crack the case as it were. Yeah. But as you said, there's very little of us. It, it shoots from them asking questions to, to saying that there's never really a moment where they just themselves, I guess, where we can actually get any sort of attachment to the characters. It's very much right. They're going to do this, then this, then this boom done. There was yeah. no development I mean, like, for anyone J- apart from Quinn. Jimmy Quinn. Quinn got a load of yeah, we get Jimmy Quinn. The guy's diabolical when he's just normal Jimmy Quinn, though. So, yeah. like... Great. Yeah, so we've got a lot of screen time of someone who's horrible. Yeah. Ugh. This movie's a downer. I guess, that, I guess that's what we have to, like, categorize it as. Like, if, <laughs> is there a joke in here? Is there a funny moment? I'm sure that well there is probably but that's just Quinn being a bit goofy I'm sure his characters did a few silly things but it's like um, when um there's the there's the um, construction crew and the guy's like you know where's my lunchbox because <laughs> he thinks someone stole his lunchbox and then it actually is like someone's like there eating his sandwich going oh, I really should tell him that his wife his wife makes the best sandwiches as his corpse is being carried off by Q and blood's dropping onto everyone down below and everyone's just like Where's this blood come from? And then we don't really see the police investigating that in any way. It just, it's just, there's a scene. I don't know. Yeah, but that was strange to me. It's a downer. Everybody like has an unhappy ending in this film, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I thought Quinn was going to have a happy ending. I thought, right, he's going to walk away a millionaire. But no. No. It just, yeah. So, you know, I feel like we can just sum up this podcast episode now, really. Like, thank you so much for the lovely members who, you know, entered well, in it, the- this. This is, this was over, this won by a landslide. I know. And you know so- what? Like, it is really unique in its genre, but it is a downer. Like, we've got nothing like, happy to come from this film i mean it does have spoilers again a here we go again ending yeah but ah, yeah i mean the the shootout at the end from the chrysler building where they're all the police are just hanging at the end of the building firing machine guns at q it's like poor q just want to check if his baby's all right it's 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 not even that it's poor pedestrians down there like bullets come down eventually you know so like let's just say that the velocity you know like of coming out of the muzzle stops it right even at the height height of the chrysler building that you're aiming it at like (laughs) the amount of like damage from that fire fight i never thought of it like that bullets would have eventually come back down somewhere (laughs) oh but yeah, and that's just raining down, down bullets. Thank isn't you, everybody, it? for recommending this. I I hadn't been like this like low when watching a film for a while. <laughs> I'm glad. I've always been curious about it because I've I've always just seen this cool looking poster art, and so I've always wanted to watch it, but never really bothered to. So, so I, I'm glad that it did get voted. So I finally you, had like, a reason. How much poster art affects this like affects the sale, you know. Yeah, I mean, oh, we should also help. say that if you're looking for this, it's under two titles. There's oh, Q, the Winged Serpent, mm-hmm. and then what it originally came out as, where it's 
literally just the letter Q. Okay. That'd be hard to Google search, wouldn't it? Just Q. Well, yeah, like I think that could have been a reason why they modified the title or something. But if you if you search up Q horror film, it will come up. Okay. But yeah, that that's one of the things that you have to go here. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Let's, let, let's go to the to the listeners, the the people who voted for this, and see what they say about the film. Yeah. So, folks who voted for this film, what's your favorite part? What do you think are like the, the great takeaways from this film? Okay. Well, I mean, on the on the comments below choosing it, uh, Richard J. Murray said, "Q is such an underrated classic movie. Needs more love too." Oh well, they... sorry, we just, just totally kiboshed that. I mean, um, M. Uh, M. Bryant said, "Well, I tried. I really tried to watch this, but gave up at the fifty-minute mark." Not even David Carradine was enough to keep my interest. The gory bits and the bad scatting did me in. Also, no subtitles. There's no sub. I didn't know so there's any no subtitles. Some some films don't have subtitles, but it's not cool when you don't have subtitles. There are people. It can be annoying. Yeah, um, and Brandon, who he's he's give us a full review. So, Brandon, I remember being curious about this film since I saw the poster. See, it's the poster. It works. It is a great poster. To this day, I still like the artwork by Boris Valajo. Is that right? Valajo? There are probably a couple different artists here, but Yeah. Okay. He's I mean he's he's lamed. Oh, I'll go with that. I just think that's how you pronounce it. The the UK quad poster, which is what you have behind you, the one that uh, has the, you know, like lovely dark blacks and reds and whatnot. Or no, wait. Um there's there's the uh, UK film poster with Tom Chantrell artwork and the US one sheet with Boris Vallejo. Ah, okay. Vallejo is that so, yeah, um, Vallejo. Yeah. Okay, he likes that he likes Boris's artwork. Um kind yeah, of Boris like artwork. A... Okay, I take it back. The Boris artwork oh. is the yeah. one with the uh, with the red and black background. And then um the quad one takes Boris's cue and uh, they basically snip it and then put it on the skyline of New York City for the quad. Right. That's okay. Tom did. Tom did the background, which is the uh, skyscraper and everything. Gotcha. Okay. Right. I'll carry on. Uh, it kind of looked like a dark and gritty style creature feature. By the way, I noticed that the monster is called, <laughs> well, I can't pronounce it, Quez. Quetzalcoatl, 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 um, and the director of the film is Larry Cohen. Not that I entirely believe the coincidences, but correct me if I'm wrong. Was that episode "Bird of Paradise" from Godzilla the series inspired by this film? I don't remember the episode, but we will we will look. We will have to watch that and and see. Well, we can answer that now. So through the wonders of the internet, so well, you, you Google that. Series, yeah, you Google that, and I'll carry on reading. Um, anyway, for the movie itself, I'm kind of mixed about it. From the moment it was a cert 18 and in the horror genre, I had a gut feeling, no pun intended, that I was in for a bloody ride since the 80s was a golden decade for horror movies. To my surprise, it wasn't really that much of a horror movie, at least not for me, as I've seen other films from that particular decade that has gross moments, more gross moments than this. I will admit that there were 
quite a few beheaded scenes here and there as if the creature wanted to play a game of Sleepy Hollow. Also, a couple of skin scenes that were quite disturbing. As for the monster, Q doesn't really show up that often and most of the story all hinges on the paranoid crook who wants to extort from the city a large amount of cash in exchange for directions to the nest. For me, that was a sort of loss as I liked the Harryhausen FX style of Q from the trailer and was expecting the film to be similar to Jaws but with wings instead of fins. I like that. Um, still half of it was quite interesting with some scenes that I kind of, oh, that kind of got a chuckle out of me. Like one moment when Q swoops down on a guy, he does a somersault in the air like Crash Bandicoot. Also the finale, uh, where the paramilitary assault team take fire on Q around the Chrysler building was quite a blast. Sort of like an opposite version of Kong's battle with the planes. Overall, it's not bad, but I mainly only enjoyed half of the film in entirety. Three out of five. Three out of Three out of five. five is what a lot of give this film. And I looked yeah. it up. The Hanna Barbera Godzilla actually predates this film. Oh no, I think I think it's about the Godzilla the series is in the ninety-eight. Godzilla the series is ninety-eight. Oh right. Oh, yeah. Okay. But is, Sorry, is Bird of Paradise. Of yeah, I got don't know in that case. Um Bird of Paradise. Oh no. So the Bird of Paradise one because that was one of the first episodes. You do have a Quetzalcoatl in that. Oh, you do? Another okay. raptor serpent and everything. But Quetzalcoatl, that myth has been around for centuries. And I think what inspired the Bird of Paradise episode wasn't necessarily Cue the Winged Serpent so much as Rodan. Right, okay. But yeah, there we go. Well, those are some interesting views. I myself would give this probably two and a half stars out of five. You know, like, can't give everything and nothing because they tried. Yeah, I'm, yeah, they didn't just, mean to sit out. It's just grim. Yeah. Not grim in a sense that it's bad. It's just, it's it's grim. Yeah, it's, it's not like watching, is it? I think we're quite often used to monster movies that are, perhaps have a bit more comic relief or just... Just a bit lighter. There are, I mean, like the host know. is pretty grim. You know, yeah, it's grim. Like the host is grim, but the host, but the characters, more you know, you go with the family. It's and like... it has characters that are developed. Yeah, and root for them. I guess that's a that that's a great i that that's a great distinction. The host is grim, but they develop likable characters. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Q that doesn't was have the difference. That this film didn't have. Oh, poor Q. They, they, they tried. And it's not a bad film by any means. It's Should just we leave not... it with nothing else? Yeah, go on. Let's go with If Nothing Else. Um, so and... If Nothing Else, I would say watch Q. Don't buy it, probably. And then um, scope out the trailer for the new Gamera series coming to Netflix. Oh, yes. Because that's going to be a good one. We hope. Paul, what you got? Um, I don't think I'll, I'll say watch Q, maybe watch a trailer or, or some some clips on youtube rather than the actual film but now we've made that comparison i'll probably say go check out rodan go watch Ro if you want to watch a flying creature film watch rodan it's better yeah the original rodan fantastic film yeah yeah go watch that there we go well thanks folks as always for listening um in the future uh please suggest more lighthearted films for us. Actually, there we go. Suggest to us a lighthearted kaiju film. We will put a Paul up. 
and we will take we will watch that counteract the grimness that was Q, the winged serpent. I like that. There we go. Thanks, folks. And as always, keep it kaiju. Thank you.